0: Dear Father, we thank you. I thank you, O God, that your word will come out with power. Your word will come out, O God, according to what you desire. Father, hide me behind the cross. Let your people be blessed. Let them be encouraged. Let them hold on to you even tighter during these end days, Lord. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You may be seated. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We've been talking about making sense of different things. We talked about making sense of what is happening to us. And then we've been talking about making sense of all that is happening around us. And last week we started on deception and the falling away from the faith that the Bible predicted that Jesus himself talked about. So I'm going to read these two scriptures and then give us a little summary of what we talked about last week. And then we're going to look at causes. What are the things that could make someone fall into deception? Then we're looking also at how to guard your heart against deception. And then we'll also, if there's time, look at how to be free from deception. Matthew 24 Verses 3 and 4. Now as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him, Jesus, privately saying, Tell us, when will these things be? And what would be the sign? It's just one sign they asked, What would be the sign of your coming? And of the end of the age? And Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you. Take heed that no one deceives you. Second Thessalonians chapter two verse three It says Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first and the man of sin is revealed who is the son of perdition. Of all the strategies and operations of the enemy these last days, the number one strategy he's going to be using against believers is deception. Deception. And the Bible says we all have to be careful because even the elect. Even those that God has put his finger on, that is you and I. God called us, he separated us, anointed us, and we are called his own. He said even the elect could be deceived. That's how serious this is. That's how serious this is. So when I'm talking about deception today, don't think of, oh, my wife that's not here, my husband that's not here, my friend that's not here, oh, my child that's not here, whatever, you know, is for me and it's for you. That's what you need to be thinking about. What must I do to make sure I don't come out? It says many, many, many will fall away. Many will fall away. Many. And what the Bible says is true. When Jesus says something, when the scripture says something, you can bank on it. So last week we talked about decep- what is the definition of deception? What is deception? Deception is the act of taking what is true and what is valid and just flipping it and saying that is a lie and it's no longer valid. And then taking what is a lie and what is not true. And flipping it and saying, that is now the truth. And have we not seen that? Good has become evil and evil has become good. We are seeing that now. And that's one of the things that deception is. A Christian or a believer, and I'm talking because Jesus says to his apostles, to those that were with him, to those that were walking with him, he says there's one sign you need to look for. You, that is watching me today, me, that is talking to you today. One sign we need to look for, and that is deception. So anything that is against the word of God, no matter how they paint it, no matter how they pull on your emotions, No matter how they justify it. No matter how they make excuse for it. If it's not here, you better know it's deception. But you know what? You need to make sure you know what is here. Because some things they say can seem so scriptural. That even you, you have to go back and look at the scriptures and divide the scriptures. And look things up for you to say no. No. That is not the word of God. So it is vital that you must not be a Christian in these last days who come to church on Sunday, maybe not even Wednesday, maybe just Sunday, and that's when you hear the scriptures, you open the scriptures, you pray, you sing, until next Sunday. You cannot, you cannot do that. This is not the time for that. It's either you are in all the way, Or you are out. There's no straddling the fence. So last week we said Satan uses the same tricks all the time. From the Garden of Eden, when the children of God were in the wilderness, even when Jesus was in the wilderness, if you go back, you will see the same tricks. That's what he uses to deceive people. And that's what he's still going to try to use to deceive us. The first thing is, he's always going to convince you that your personal needs are not met by God because God doesn't love you. This thing, we just quote the scriptures, we are just believing, it's not really going to happen. Look at you, you Abraham, you waited 25 years for a son, for a child. You've been praying for that same need for how long? You've been praying for that son or daughter of yours to be saved. You've been praying to get married for how long? God is really not going to meet that need. If you buy into that, the deception starts. Then he comes in and tells you, you know, you don't have to do exactly what everybody is doing. You don't have to follow. I mean, this Bible, you don't have to do everything it says. Jesus, you don't really have to go to the cross. There are some easy way out. There are some shortcuts you can take. You don't have to be the one always telling the truth. You can tell a little lie so you can get the promotion. You can cheat a little bit so you can get more money. Cheat on your taxes. I mean, you don't have to give all that money to the government. You see what I'm talking about? And that's why I'm going to bring some of these things personal to me. As we start talking to me and to you, we make it personal. Because we are very quick to bounce it off to somebody else. I do it too. And then he he wants to make you tempt God. Another thing he does. He wants to make you tempt God. The grace of God is, God, God, there's nothing God won't forgive. Even if I keep doing it, God, God will forgive me. There's a difference between sin and iniquity. And that's what deceit will bring you to the point, if you are not living in iniquity, iniquity is just rebellion, where you know it's wrong, where you've done it over and over, and then your conscience has become, what the Bible says, seared. That means it's like an iron has been placed over your conscience, and it's now calloused. And so the things that normally about somebody who loves God will do, and they will just feel, oh, I've wronged the Lord. You feel like a weight is on you, it's heavy on you, and you go and repent. Now you do that thing, it's no big deal. No big deal, because you've done it over and over. That's iniquity. Sin is just disobedience. We all sin. The Bible says if you say you don't sin, you are a liar. So I'm standing here, I sin. I'm not perfect. You're looking at me too, you sin. You're not perfect. But the thing is, we don't excuse it. We don't justify it. And we don't continue in it. That's the difference between somebody who falls into sin and goes to God and asks for forgiveness as somebody who lives in sin, in iniquity, that's become rebellious. When you get to that stage, you're already deceived. And then another cause of, that, of, of rebellion, of the way Satan tries to manipulate our, our emotions and our bitterness, that's another way he brings deception. And this is so rampant. This is so rampant. People get offended over the most little thing. People get offended so easily. It's just amazing... Bible says, love one another. It is by this that we can show the world that we are his children, that we are his disciples. And then somebody gets offended because he did not greet me. He did not hug me. I called him and he didn't respond. Oh my goodness, we get offended. The flowers are not arranged the way I want it to be arranged. Pastor didn't dress, her her dress was too short. Oh, her dress was too long in my case. <laughs> people get, you see how crazy things people get offended in, with? And then, yeah, I'm not going to go back to church. I'm not, oh my God. And before you know it, they don't want to be around the children of God. They don't want to be around church. They don't read their Bible anymore. They don't pray. And then gradually they start writing things. They become mockers. Of the church, they become mockers of the word of God, they become mockers of Christians. The people that are not believers are not the good people. All Christians are evil. You've seen that on Facebook. Then the root of bitterness just sticks in into them and defiles everything they do. It just defiles everything. You see them, they are not happy, they look horrible because they've just taken in that evil. Offense. That's the biggest trap of Satan that we must all watch against. What is the truth? How do you know a truth from a lie? How do we know truth from lie? I gave you the scriptures last week. If you didn't get it, I'm going to give it to you again. John chapter 14 verse 6 Jesus said to him, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's it. Jesus is the truth. So anything you hear that Jesus is not in, is not the truth. John 17:17, 17, 17, Jesus again saying, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. The scriptures, the word of God, that's where the truth is. 1 John chapter 5 verse 6. This is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. Not only by water, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit who bears witness to this. The Spirit bears witness that Jesus came by water and Jesus came by blood. And it says, the spirit bears witness because the spirit is truth, the spirit of God. So those are the three things you must always use to weigh, what is true and what is false. And then we quickly talked about some prevalent messages today. The most common ones is where they line Jesus up with astrology, with psychics, reincarnation. Uh, we, you, we, are ha- we have spiritual energy, we connect, we connect with the sea, we connect with trees, we, we connect with mountains, we connect with objects. And they are preaching all of that. There's the one that believes that everybody is going to go to heaven. Everybody, it doesn't matter what you do, you're going to go to heaven. You can live in sin all your life. You cannot even accept Jesus. You can be any religion. God is not that horrible to send people to heaven. Jesus has said it. I am the way, the only way to life. And then there's one that's very popular now again where everything about church, everything that is being preached is on your personality. You do this personality test and they tell you this is who you are. And this is who you will ever be. You can never be anything out of that. And that personality test was written by a human being. The Bible says I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And then someone tells you because you are this kind of personality, you cannot do this, you cannot do this, you cannot do this. There are a lot more, but these three are the ones that are really, 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 really rampant these days. So today, I'm going to talk about the causes of deception. What causes people to be deceived? What are the characteristics of someone, a believer, who could easily be prey to deception? We're going to talk about it generally, and I'm going to bring it home, so that we can apply it to us. Again, like I said, these are the areas we have to be ruthless in. If you find it operating in your life, don't play with it. Be very ruthless in uprooting it out. Because if you don't, that's where the searing of your conscience begins. So I'm going to talk about this. And if you want to go home, read the book of Jude. It's only one chapter. The book of Jude is where you're going to find almost everything I'm going to talk about. And then also in 2 Peter chapter 2, if you read those two chapters, it's almost like the same person wrote them. They are almost word for word. I was shocked when I was doing my study. You will see almost the same sentence in the book of Jude and in 2 Peter chapter 2. So when you go home this week, everybody do your homework and those two chapters, study them. Because we find almost everything I'm going to talk about here in those two chapters. So who are those who are susceptible or can be easy prey to deception. Let's read Jude, I'll read verses 3 and 4. I will skip to 8 and then I will do 16 to 19 in the New Living Translation. And I want you to listen very carefully or read as I'm reading. He says, Dear friends, I have been eagerly planning to write to you about the salvation we all share But now I find that I must write about something else. Urging you to defend the faith that God has entrusted to us. Once for all time to his holy people. Verse 4. I say this because some ungodly people have warmed their way into your churches. Saying that God's marvelous grace allows them to live immoral lives. The condemnation of such people was recorded long ago. For they have denied our only Master and Lord, Jesus Christ. Verse 8. In the same way, these people who claim authority from their dreams, they live immoral lives, they defy authority, and they scoff at supernatural beings. Are you listening to what God is what the Bible is telling us? Verses sixteen through nineteen says these people are grumblers and complainers. What did we see in the wilderness that God talked about? I read that last week grumbling and complaining. Amen. Living only to satisfy their desires. They brag loudly about themselves and they flatter others to get what they want. But you, my dear friends, you must remember what the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ predicted. They told you that in the last times there would be scoffers whose purpose in life is to satisfy their ungodly desires. That's all they live for. They come in, everything they want is just to, however they can make you to satisfy what they want, to get what they want from you. They come into the church, all they come here for, all they go into churches for, is just how to manipulate and get money and get things out of people. It says they have warmed their ways into the churches. They told you that in the last times there will be scoffers whose purpose in life is to satisfy their ungodly desires. These people are the ones who are creating divisions among you. They follow their natural instincts because they do not have God's spirit in them. See how clear it is? That's why I said go in every version. English Standard Version, NIV, The Message, New King James, New Living Translation. Read the whole of book, uh, the book of June and Second Peter verse chapter 2. And see what God says about deception. What are the The things? I'm going to pick from here. There are a lot of things, but I want to pick only three. And we are going to talk about those three today. The first one is a defiant attitude against authority. We are talking about characteristics that could make somebody prey to deception. Things that you see in somebody that you start, or in you that you can start saying, ah, no, 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 no. I need to be very, very ruthless and make sure this doesn't take root in my life. A defiant attitude against authority, moral defilement, dishonesty and deceitfulness. The proof of salvation is always transformation. There's always the proof, is the fruit that follows. If somebody is saved and following the Lord, there has to be a transformation in their life. There has to be fruit of salvation. There has to be fruit of righteousness. As, as God begins to walk with you, as God begins to walk with me, He says we are supposed to go from glory to glory. Galatians chapter 5 verse 1, and then verses 16 to 17. He says, stand therefore in the liberty by which Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. Transformation. I said then, walk in the Spirit, and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another. So that you do not do the things that you wish. Paul says, the things I don't want to do, that's what I find myself doing. And the things that I do are not the things I want to do. All the things I should do, I'm not doing them. And the things I shouldn't do, that's what I find myself doing. say, so who is going to save me from this body? That's the state of human, that's just the state of a human being. And God understands that. I want to start, before I go into all of this, that there's nobody that's ever out of the reach of God. Nobody, God, Jesus says, I will that every man will get saved. I've come to the saving knowledge of Christ. It's God's will that no... Hell wasn't made for us. It wasn't made for humans. It was made for the enemy, the devil, and those that rebelled with him. So you want to know that first as I go over this, that this is not a message of condemnation or pointing fingers. It's for us to examine ourselves. Number one, defiance against authority. The Bible says in Jude verse 3, And verse 8, it says, they have crept in unnoticed into your churches and they defy or reject authority. The believer who is in church doesn't want anybody to tell him what to do. I know it all. I know the scriptures more than pastor. Who is pastor for me to submit to? Stubborn headstrong, proud, arrogant, harsh, hard. A Christian is supposed to have love. When you see a believer, there should just, just be something about that believer that just tells you that this person has a heart of God in them. But when you see somebody who says they're Christian, and they're hard and harsh, and arrogant and proud, Those are the qualities of of Satan himself, Lucifer. The Bible says, consider others better than yourself. And it says, love covers a multitude of sins. Love makes excuses for people. Love doesn't want to pull down. Love builds up. Love lifts up. When you find out that you are always wanting to bring somebody down, to bring authority down, to bring those in leadership down, to talk evil about them, to make yourself look good, to make the church look bad, you are opening yourself up for deception. God wants us to pray and hold each other up. The failure of one believer is the failure of all believers. It makes the world mock us. So when you see a brother or a sister that's doing something, that's if you see it, not that if you heard it. If you were not, uh, what word am I looking for? If you were not um, Present. present when it happened, you were not an eyewitness to it, and somebody tells you it's a gossip. It's a gossip. Defiance to authority. They murmur, they complain about everything. Everybody, you know, they want, of, they want position and when they get the position it's for them to just do evil, hurt people. They are presumptuous, self-willed, arrogant people. Jude 1.4 as says, for certain men have crept in unnoticed who long ago were marked out for this condemnation. Ungodly men who turn the grace of God into lewdness and deny. I, I went a little far. I'm talking about moral defilement now. Moral defilement, number two. Number two. Moral defilement. This one was very, very... I don't know if it is now because I haven't really seen a lot of it, but I know there was a time when the message of grace was being preached by a very popular pastor and everybody wanted everybody, every church, every pastor to preach the gospel of grace. Grace, grace, grace. And I was like, do they really understand what grace means? Grace doesn't give you liberty to do whatever you want. That's not grace. In fact, we had <laughs> we had a, a, a man and I never did meet his wife, but himself and his son. They came to church here, and they had been coming about three, four weeks, and they wanted to meet with my husband and I. And he was all he would talk about is just grace. After service, we follow my husband to the to the office. Just oh, have you have you been listening to this? A famous preacher. You see how he talks about grace. The church is too hard on this. The church is too this on that. He just went on and on. So finally, I told my husband, I said, "Let's go out to lunch with them." We went out to lunch to so Texas cattle. High Texas cattle. They've closed it down now. With my children. And he and his son were just on and on and on and on. And the son made a statement and said, "You know, um, I, I right now I'm living with my girlfriend. I live with her and I do whatever we do whatever we want because we know the grace of God covers covers us." And I looked at the dad and I'm like, "And you approve of that?" He said, "Oh yeah, oh yeah." I said, "Oh, you're married, right?" He said, "Yes." I said, "So." Um, if your wife leaves you and moves in with another uh, man, is that okay with you? He turned red. He said, "Oh no, no, that's not that's not that's adultery." I said, "No, that's not adultery. That's grace." <laughs> I said, "No, that that's grace, right? Your wife, you it's, so it's, it's okay for your wife to go with any man, anybody." Finish with this, go to the next one. He got angry. And I'm like, what's the difference between what you just told me about your son living in, with someone she, he's not married to and what I just told you? You see, that's, what, that's how Satan is. I've told you all here, he doesn't know where to stop. When he starts, he doesn't realize that he can be caught here. And if you fall for it, it just keeps going and going and going. Of course, we never saw them again, thank God. <laughs> you cannot tempt God. You cannot just continue to live the way you want to live. The scriptures dictate how we live. It's not what, how you live that should dictate the scripture. If you find out that what you're doing in your life is not mirroring the scripture as much as possible, we fall, we fail. Then you m- need to line yourself to make sure you're working with scripture. But you're not gonna bend the scripture and say, Oh, I'm going this way. So scripture come, you must go where I'm going. It doesn't work that way. And it will never work that way. Twisting the scriptures to fit your selfish purposes. Easily enticed. Jude one verse nineteen. It says these are sensual. Persons who cause divisions not having the spirit. Everything is by the senses. Romans 6, 1 and 2 says, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died in sin live any longer in it? We cannot turn the grace of God into a reason to live a life of sin. The third one is deceitfulness. Deceitfulness. Being deceitful, being dishonest. Again, like I said, read that James uh, chapter 1. You will see all of these things. There, there are a whole lot more, but these are some of the ones I picked out to talk about. That could, those are things that easily could make somebody get deceived. Deceitfulness. 2 Peter chapter 2 verse 13. He says, and we receive the wages of righteousness unrighteousness as those who count it pleasure to carouse in the daytime. They are spots and blemishes carousing in their own deceptions while they feast with you. I was talking about that. They come in, they, they feast with you, they break bread with you, they fellowship with you. But in their heart they are doing that for what they can get for themselves. We've seen that. That's one of the reasons I don't let people sell things in this church. We don't let people come in here and you see people just, oh, it's like captive audience for you to sell your product. No. Because you cannot use the people of God as merchandise. You cannot twist people, their emotions, because of the goodness. Christians are good people. Christians are very good people we tend to believe and trust easily and so people tend to take advantage of us and so we that I leadership try we, we will pr- pr- protect our people so if anybody comes and says oh i mean in insurance oh uh, I will sell insurance to your church members and give don't don't go sell your insurance somewhere else because they want it they're deceitful they want to come and break bread with you and be friends with you because of what they can get from you that's deception and that's just the height of it using people god hates it exploiting people with false words making merchandise they will tell you all kinds of big words make you think they are something just because of what they want to get So I'm going to bring it now home. This is where I really want to spend a little bit more time. Defiance against authority. Now when I talk about this, our church has been blessed. We are tight. One thing God has blessed this church with is the unity and the love that we have for one another. So some of these things, I don't see them here. However, we have to be watchful. We have to be watchful. Because what is going on here, the beauty of what is going on here, everybody can see it. I remember when I was talking to to the superintendent and he he couldn't understand how a church that is not up to a year that the senior pastor passed away, that the church didn't just fall apart, that people didn't take advantage of my vulnerability to split the church. He couldn't understand it. How we are so united. We are all under on one, one goal, one vision. Everybody, We are tight, tight. When I mean tight, we are tight. And I, I cannot thank God enough and thank you enough for that. I cannot do, I can never, only God can pay you all for the support and the love that you have shown me in this stage I'm in in this season of my life, I cannot thank you all enough. Because you all came by and covered me when I felt vulnerable and naked. You know, when you've been married to a good man for 30 years and he's the one that covers you in everything, in prayers, spiritually, emotionally, physically, pretty much everything. Pays the bills, cooks the food, cleans the house, everything. Everything. I was spoiled, my husband If you all know, you all know how my husband spoiled me. There are some clothes I cannot wear now because if I wear them, I can't come to church. Because if I wear anything, the way he will praise me, I will think I'm a queen. So when I wear some clothes, that's why if you notice I wear all the clothes, I almost have a new wardrobe. Because if I wear anything that I wore before, all I just hear is his voice. Because he knows how to build me up. Everything I've ever achieved, it was the wind under my wings. So when that was taken away, I'm telling you, there were days I came into the church here, yeah, I felt I was naked. I just felt so vulnerable. And then all of you just came. and covered me up. Didn't let anybody take advantage of me. Some of you here still wake up all night praying for me. Some of you come to the house, even when I just drink food. I didn't ask for it. Some will still call and say, I just want to come stay with you. So the strength you see is because of you guys. And I, I can never thank you enough. Really cannot. All the time. So defiance against authority. When I say this, I just want to know, I'm not talking about here. But number one, these are questions we need to always ask ourselves and to watch out for. What is your attitude towards people in leadership over you? There is no time in life when you will not have people over you. So if you're someone who is always kicking against authority, nobody's as good as me. Ah, what scripture does she know that I don't know? I pray too, I study scripture too, so who is she to tell me? We see that, don't we? Do you speak evil or bad things about your spiritual leaders? Is your pastor your lunch after Sunday? After church on Sunday? When you're eating lunch with your family... Or with some church members? Are you just dissecting the pastor and and the church leaders and everything that is wrong in the church? See, confrontation is good. If you see something being done wrong, confront. Because sometimes the leaders may not see it. But confront it, don't criticize it, and don't back behind them, tear them down. Because sometimes when you confront, they truly, they truly see it and they will like, oh my God. And come in front of the whole church and apologize. That's the job. That's what, that's what the Bible talks about when it talks about iron sharpening iron. That's exactly what it's talking about. Whoever might be here or whoever might be pastor here, they're not perfect. They're not perfect. I'm not, you're not. So if you see something that's not being done right, confront. Don't criticize and tear down and try to destroy what God is doing. And then one other thing is do members of a church find it easy to come to you to complain about leadership? If they do that, you need to watch for you need to be very, very careful because you have become part of them if they feel comfortable to come to you and complain about pastor, associate pastor, and you listen to it, you have become part of the problem, and you're opening up yourself for deceit. I have... Okay, Lord, I won't say that. Because you know what? Whatever you put on somebody's plate to eat, that they really didn't want to eat, And you force them to eat it, one day somebody else is going to put it on your plate too. I've seen this. I've been in ministry now 20 plus years. Whatever you do to someone because you want to tear them down, you want to dishonor them, I bet you what goes around comes around. You're going to have to eat that same thing one day. That is why you must be a builder. Not a tear down person. And at home, with your children. Do you know why most kids that are not in church say they are not in church? Because everything that is said at home about church and ministry and leadership is negative. Almost everything. And the children are hearing you and they are wondering, and you're in church on Sunday. Praise Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. But then when you get home, they see you saying things about brother A and sister C, and they are wondering, you are, that's why they call us hypocrites. Because they say you are one thing in church, and another at home. Then are you easily offended? Are you the one that everything you get mad, you get offended somebody may not even have seen you but they walk past you they have things on their mind people have problems and they don't wake up that morning saying oh I'm going to see Sister Joy and not hug her no they're probably just thinking about what happened on on their way or over the weekend how they're going to just come here and just lay it before the Lord they're not seeing you and then you get offended or you were not in church maybe because you were sick but nobody knows Oh, they don't love me, that church. Nobody cares about me. You didn't call to tell anybody. You see? I'm going to run fast. I know I, w- I was going to finish this, but just let me do the last moral defilement. Number three: moral defilement. What you watch and what you listen to, can Jesus be there with you? Because he is there with you. That's the truth though. He is sitting right there with you. So what you're listening to and what you're watching, did Jesus stand there with you? Is he doing like that? Like that? Or is he laughing and enjoying the show with you? Have you set a high moral standard for yourself? Nobody, but you tell yourself, you know what? I'm a believer. This is what believers do. That is it. And if you find out you're struggling, find a brother or a sister say, listen, let's be accountable to one another. I'm single. I'm not going to f- fall into fornication before I get married. I'm not going to live with someone who is not my husband or my wife before I get married. I'm a married man or I'm a married woman. I'm not going to have a relationship and uh, uh, talk to I'm not the man or a woman of the person of opposite sex where there are innuendos. The relationship is going to be clean and it's going to be clear. The boundaries are going to be set. Those are things that believers do. That, that's what keeps us, when people see you and respect you, because you've been able to put clear boundaries on what you will do and what you will not do. And everybody knows that. Are you honest and forthright with your words? See, the first place deception starts is in the conscience. Just just give me five more minutes. Talking about deceitfulness. The first place that deception starts is in your conscience. God uh, gave everybody, even unbelievers, a conscience. The conscience is just you knowing what is right and wrong. Everybody knows it. Even that little child that slaps the mother and is laughing. He or she knows what they did was wrong. You see that little baby? You give them the food and they throw it down. And you are thinking, how am I going to clean this floor again? And he's laughing. That child knows what's right or wrong. We all have that in us. We all know what's right and wrong. But when your conscience is soft and pliable in the hands of God, it remains good. That's what God wants. So that when you do something, you feel... We all know how that heaviness, that, that weight we feel until we go to God and say, Oh Lord, I'm sorry. And then it leaves. So your conscience, if it becomes seared, God cannot reach you. Because whatever you do, you, are not, you don't feel that anymore. The Holy Spirit can't get through to convict you even. I'm talking about deceitfulness now. Do you keep promises? Do you do you make promises? Do you keep them? Do you do you find it easy to just lie or exaggerate? And it doesn't bother you? And everybody can see that you are not telling the truth. As a believer, no, that must not. We set high standards for ourselves, and the big one finances. You know, we all come here, the air conditioner is on. We all enjoy it. We all enjoy the praise and worship. And you know that other people in the church are doing stuff to keep this going. And you come in week in, week out. You don't give. You don't tithe. You find excuses not to give or tithe. But you come to church and you enjoy it. Knowing that ministry is going forth. That is deceitfulness. That is being deceitful. In your own house, for you to have air condition, you pay for it. For you to have light, you pay for it. So those are the little, little things. Those are the things that we need to start thinking about. As a Christian, as a believer, to live above, above board in everything. So how do you guard against deception? You live by faith, not by your feelings or emotions. Second Corinthians five seven says, For we walk by faith and not by sight. How to guard against deception. Don't look to human people, don't look to leaders primarily. The Bible says it is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. He said, Cursed is the man who trusts man and who makes flesh his strength, whose heart departs from the Lord. Make God your source. Don't look to man. How do you guard against deception? Don't accept every spiritual sign you see as a guarantee of truth. Oh, I'm going to go to this conference so they can prophesy over me. Oh, everybody's falling down. Oh, they say there's uh, gold dust falling everywhere. They say there's um, uh, feathers. As if God will have angels that He cannot make their feathers stay on them. God, God is not a human being that will make its evangelists have feathers. That means God, God's, they malfunction. So the, the feathers can just pluck off. Everybody running and looking for signs, running and looking for prophecy. This is, the Bible says, this is the sure word of prophecy. Here, right here. If you spend an hour a day searching here, all the promises, all your prophecy, you'll find them here. People that are always looking for signs, for prophecies, somebody to touch me. Oh, ha. You're looking for deception. Listen to what the scripture says. Matthew 7. This is Jesus speaking, our Jesus. Matthew seven twenty-two to 24. He says, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? Have we not cast out demons in your name? Have we not done many wonders in your name? and then i will declare to him to them he says i never knew you depart from me you who practice lawlessness so anybody who is doing signs and angels are falling off from their wings are falling off and god is spraying um, gold dust why would he give me dust i want a whole i want a whole piece i don't want no dust What, what am I going to do with dust when heaven is made of the streets are made of gold? Why he sprinkling dust to me, giving me a tooth that is now gold? I want a chunk. I, I want a chunk of gold. I want it. Right? People that do all of those things, you look at the fruit in their life. That's what the Bible says. They will practice lawlessness. The fruit will tell you if it's real or not. But we don't do that. They give you a prophecy. It doesn't ever come to pass and then they are doing crazy stuff you know you've heard but you are still looking for them to speak a word over you. That's how they speak demonic stuff over people. Because obviously this is not of God. So don't be quick to look for supernatural. Supernatural, yes, it is there. The Bible says signs and wonders will follow us. They follow us, we don't follow them. If you are living for the Lord, signs and wonders will be right behind you. You don't have to be chasing for it. Personal agendas and ambitions. Always watch out. This is how to guard against deception now. Always watch out for people who are always promoting themselves. Rather than promoting Christ. Always promoting themselves. Always promoting one new thing they are doing. Always promoting this new product they've gotten into to make money. And then they will tag Jesus along it as if Jesus is, 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 is uh, 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 what they call it? That a genie. He has become something that you just tag along for your own selfish desires. The God of heaven and earth. You see how they don't even fear God anymore? To follow Jesus, he says, you must bear your cross. It's a cross. It's a cross we all have to bear. Every one of us. Suffering and persecution is inevitable as a Christian. And people who fall for deception are those who think Christianity is bread and butter. No. Sometimes God will crush you. Sometimes God will trim you. Because in trimming you, in taking some things out, cutting them off, you will grow and you will become a better believer, a better Christian, better useful in his hands. So if you think Christianity is just all cherries and, and ice cream, and you are, you are going to be deceived when the hard times come. I think the Bible says in Job, it says um, your faith is small. It said if you, if you fall in the day of adver- adversity, your, your, your strength is small. If your strength fails you when trouble comes, you, you don't you didn't have anything to start with. Then number six, and the last one, know your scriptures. Be a student of the scriptures. We all have time. I'm beginning to realize that now. (laughs) We all have time. We say we don't have time, but really we all have time. You can spend an hour, two hours in prayer and and studying the Word. You can. We all can. See, if you know Scriptures, it's easy to be deceived. It's, It's hard, sorry. If you know Scriptures, it's very hard to be deceived. But if you don't know Scriptures, you are blown. The Bible says you are blown by every wind of doctrine. You're like a wind. If they say this, oh, okay, sounds good. If they say this, oh, it sounds good. But if you know your scriptures, when they tell you something, you say, uh uh-uh. I I know that's not true. Because I know what the word says. Amen? Has this blessed anybody today? Hallelujah. Stand to your feet. Stand to your feet. Stand to your feet. Stand to your feet this morning. This is a little hard message, but we need to, these are things we need to preach. Next time I'll come up with something that will make you all, whoo, whoo, whoo. <laughs> but today we needed to do this because we need to be very careful because there are people out there who want to deceive us. These are the end days. And God wants to make sure His people know the right thing and we're doing the right thing. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Just raise your hands raise your hands raise your hands raise your hands and thank god for what he's shown us today just thank him open your mouth and thank him thank him for what he's done today oh how we worship you lord how we praise you my god to you be all the praise and all the glory i cover everyone here with the blood of jesus oh none of us here will fall to deception Oh, Lord, you have opened our eyes and we know the truth now. Oh, we know the truth now. Satan, we know the truth now. And the truth that we know is setting us free. In every area the enemy will try to come in and deceive us. Oh, we know the truth now. We are the children of light. We know the truth of the word of the Lord. We have the truth and we have the spirit. We have the word and we have the spirit Ah, we give you praise today oh we give you glory today thank you my God thank you my God if you are here and you are sick in your body I want you to come let me pray for you brother Mike I want you to come let me pray for you this morning for everyone who needs prayer, come up here. Let me pray for you. Let me lay my hands upon you. The enemy is a liar. Oh, shattered broken daraba. Ah. Oh. Enemy is a liar. Oh, hallelujah! Enjoy the presence of the Lord. Enjoy the presence of the Lord. Don't be in a hurry. Don't be in a hurry. If you have to go yet, but please, learn to stay with the Lord. Learn to enjoy the presence of the Lord. He's never in a hurry with us. Ah, Lord, I thank you. I thank you for speed. I thank you for supernatural speed. Oh, God, I thank you. That as I anoint your child this morning, oh, she'll begin to see speed in her business. She'll begin to see open doors, oh God. She'll begin to walk through them, oh God. Because you are going to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all. That she ever prayed or asked for. You will surprise her, oh God. You will fill her mouth with laughter. You will fill her mouth with laughter. You will fill her mouth with laughter. You will surprise her enemies, oh God. Every plan against her life is disrupted, is destroyed right now. In the name of Jesus. Oh, increase and favor. Increase and favor is upon you. Increase and favor begin to draw from the wells of salvation begin to walk in your high places my child begin to walk in your high places my child begin to walk in your high places begin to call those things that be not as though they are because I always will honor the word that comes from your mouth your words will not fall to the ground what you say it will be I will honor your word. So begin to speak life. Begin to speak life. Begin to speak life. Begin to speak life. Every plan of the enemy against your children today is destroyed in the name of Jesus